Hey everybody, in this week edition of Guys Talking Sports, we're going to talk about the second round in the NBA playoffs, who we like and who we think is going to make it to the finals. Uh, football, Julio Jones is making his move from Atlanta Falcons over Tennessee Titans, and as well, baseball, and Garrett Cole could not answer whether or not he took any sticky tack or not. That is a little bit more on this edition of Guys Talking Sports. Hey everybody and welcome to another edition, excuse me, welcome to another edition of the world's most dangerous podcast, Guys Talking Sports. As always, we're here Wednesday night giving you some tidbits of information, talking shit, or joking about my background, <laughs> being how was, a, how was a DC Marvel conflict, but we'll get to that another day. But um, as always, here with my two boys, Al and Ace. How you doing tonight, fellas? Doing well, doing well. Another Wednesday. Let's get it. <laughs> First off, I was muted. Second of all, um, I forgot we was the more the, the world's most dangerous now sports cast. So I'm going to take that label and run with it now as the world's most dangerous. <laughs> well, definitely let's get in right to it. There's a little bit of baseball, a little bit of college football, a little bit of uh basketball and some football, but definitely basketball because we are in the second round of the playoffs. Los Angeles Lakers are out. Sorry about that. I should say, bravo, bravo, bravo. I didn't, I didn't see that one coming, but you know, I guess with the injured LeBron James and the very injured Anthony Davis added to the cause, then the Brooklyn Nets are kicking ass and taking names. So let's start off with this, guys. This is going to be the first year without either LeBron James or Steph Curry in the playoffs. Dude, I can, moving, moving, excuse me, moving forward in the playoffs, I should say, after the second round. Um, guys, what is your reaction to that? And how has the first round um, been thus far to you? Just to piggyback off of that, I was listening to, this, uh, to the radio a couple of days ago, and somebody mentioned in the past 30 years, this is the first time the NBA playoffs did not have Jordan, Shaq, Kobe, LeBron, Steph, and uh, Olajuwon. Like the, the the marquee names in the past 30 years. That, that's thinking. I mean, granted, there's D-Wade, there's other players that kind of – but when you're talking about the creme de la creme of players, that, that – yeah. And I'm excited because I'm sick and tired of seeing the same jokers in the damn playoffs all the time. Well, and not so much in the playoffs, but in the championship. So I just but as far as the uh the playoffs in a whole go, uh, I'm enjoying it right now because it's actually fresh to see new new teams, get to see new blood, even though some of these teams are from last year, but it's just nice to know that somebody new is gonna represent the West. And obviously. I thought Milwaukee would probably put up a better fight than they have against Brooklyn. But as it stands right now, barring any other additional injuries with Brooklyn, they, they, they playing chess with other players or, you know, other teams are playing checkers or they might be playing uh backgammon. I don't know what the hell they playing, but either way, you know, you, you take down, you take down uh, the beard, but then you still got a, uh, what's my man? What y'all shooting from Brooklyn? Uh, uh, Which one? <laughs> oh, uh, Joe, Joe, uh, Joe no, no. Harris, 
Joe Harris. Like he's the forgotten Joker on there, but you know, a couple of years ago, that was the dude. <laughs> and that's sad. <laughs> that's really sad. <laughs> like you was representing the squad for uh three point shooting contests and all that good stuff. So he obviously he's a shooter. That's like I mean, I'm I'm actually happy to see Brooklyn doing well. I was just hoping to see a better fight, but I'm guessing it's gonna have to come down between Philly and Brooklyn in the, the conference finals. I think that's gonna be a good one. I really do, but Overall, I'm enjoying it. Well, all right. Well, first things first. Um, I agree with you wholeheartedly about the second round um, because of the fact that you won't see LeBron and you won't see Steph. Um, they gave it their go, but this is very fresh and new. And you have the young stars now stepping up and representing in the playoffs. And truth be told, I'm excited more so than I have been in a long time um, because now the West is wide open. Mm-hmm. Clippers can stake their claim because Kawhi's still in it, but truth be told, they barely got out of that first round themselves. So um, Dallas put in some work. Kudos to Luca. Um, he needs to definitely have a rehaul, and we'll talk more about that because I have a I have a bone to pick with KP. Um, but I digress. I think that overall, the second round playoffs is definitely exciting and a joy to watch. Um, in regards to my Brooklyn Nets. Um, I'm, to be honest, I'm not writing off Milwaukee at all. Um, I think that, I'm, to be honest, I'm very curious to see how game three is. Game three, to me, is going to be the telling sign. Um, if Milwaukee comes out at the gates and do what they need to do to win that game, then I think it's going to be a series. If they don't put in and work in game three, then the series is over, whether they win a game or not. Um, so that's interesting to see. I... Can I go on in regards to these the second round playoffs? Go for it. All right, because truth be told, I, I've been watching the majority of the games. Um, Milwaukee and Brooklyn, like I said, I, I have to see. I have to see how Game Three is. Game Three is is the telling time for Milwaukee. It's put up a shut up time for them. The Atlanta Hawks and the Philadelphia 76ers series. That series to me is the most interesting game or series i should say bar none i mean the trash talking the going back and forth truth be told and i have to say this atlanta shouldn't have won game one bottom line they completely fell apart in the last three minutes of the fourth quarter they was blowing them out by 20 and then come to find out all philly had to do was press them and then run traps on them and they completely fell apart they shouldn't have won that they shouldn't have won that game and I think that Philly now has the blueprint to beat them in this series. I thought Atlanta was going to give them a run for the money. And if Atlanta don't correct the mistakes that they make, it's going to be a short series. Um, I really believe that Philadelphia, but I, I do have to admit, this is the most interesting series because of everything, the trash talk and the going back and forth, the technical fouls. Like, I'm loving all of this. The crowd getting rowdy. It's, it's, I'm loving the fact that this is back to where it is. And with the new seat, I mean, with the new teams competing and, you know, new teams, somebody's coming out the West. This is going to be an interesting series. The West is completely balanced. I don't see one team actually getting over and making it to the Western Conference Finals. So that, to me, that's more intriguing than anything at this point. I, I don't have no clear-cut person to make it into the Western Conference Finals. To be honest, I really don't have a clear-cut 
for the Eastern Conference Finals either. Not yet. Um, I narrowed it down to like one, or, I mean, two or three teams. But at the end of the day, you don't know who's going to win. Um, so I think overall, this playoffs has been very entertaining, to say the least. Um, and I, I, I'll reserve my rest of my comments to, you know, to later. Yeah, I'm with you, Al. I mean, the, the, the second round, it feels like this, the second round is what the is what the playoffs sort of was last year, just minus L.A. and Atlanta. And you pretty much got, for the most part, almost the same amount, you know, making of teams in there. Um, but, yes, I agree that that Philly and Atlanta um, series, I, th- I think it's going to go down the stretch. I would not count out Atlanta yet. Um, and B, the, the, yeah, I agree. That Philly should have won that first game. They wasted 39 points from Joel Embiid. That second game I was watching, whoo, him and Clint Capella was going at it. Clint Capella dunked on him. Embiid came right back, got the ball, put his uh, arm in his chest, and went right to the hole and dunked. That was old school center basketball that we grew up on. I really want to – I'm really want Atlanta the next drive to give the ball back to Clint Capella. I really wanted that. I was pushing so hard for them to do that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, but it, it, that's going to be a good series. I could see that going seven. Um, I don't think it will, but that has the smell of game seven. If if Atlanta wins game two, I mean, game three, um, that's a seven-game series. But if Philly wins game game three, I think it's probably going to be over in six. But um, that's going to be a good series. But I wouldn't count Atlanta out. Um I'm with you. I I don't want to count the Bucks out, but they haven't shown me anything in the, in the last two games that would give me confidence that they can write the ship. That they just have too much firepower, and they're doing this without James Harden of all things. Just like you said, he's Joe Harris lighting them up. Blake Griffin putting in work. What the? <laughs> or that he just didn't want to be in Detroit. Well, it's obvious he didn't want to be in Detroit. But, you know. know. Yeah. Over here dunking on Giannis and all that good stuff, man. <laughs> Giannis, the way he's playing and the way with KD and Kyrie, it almost, I'm not saying it's identical, but it almost sort of reminds me of Golden State. Um, Blake Griffin playing that Draymond Green role, I think is going to be interesting going forward, um, especially how he handles the rest of the big men. Um, but truth be told, KD and Kyrie is KD and Kyrie. The fact is that the fact that they're moving the ball and their shooters are making shots is what's going to give Brooklyn over the hump. Um, as long as they continue the shooting, that's the only concern I have. Because if they lose their shooting or for whatever reason they go on a cold streak, that's basically it. Uh, so um, that's what I'm concerned about. That's why I'm not really, I mean, even though they are my Brooklyn Nets, I'm not picking them. I'm not, I'm, I'm not assured yet, I should say. I still need to see more. Well, I give you this. I, uh, barring any catastrophe, I, I don't think the uh, I don't see the, the the Milwaukee Bucks coming back zero two and take you know and, and winning the series. I don't think they have the they don't have the firepower yet, and I don't think Giannis believes in himself enough that he thinks that that team can win. He might say all the right stuff, but if you heard that last press game conference, I was asking him, what are you going to do with KD? Oh, I don't know. He's got to try to play harder and play some defense. You sound like you lost. And when you sound like that, <laughs> it's it's a wrap. It's over. Why wow, he wasn't in no – I mean, how can you say that and you're the two-time defensive player of the year? Thank you. 
I, 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 I mean, you can't be like that. You can't have that mindset if you're the two-time defensive player of the year. And truth be told, I don't understand why you're still shooting jumpers. Like, your, your, your points come in the paint. And I'm saying this to Milwaukee. Like, they really need to change their game. They can force everything in the paint to drive Brooklyn up the wall, fouling the whole shebang. If they were to just commit themselves to the paint, or at least Giannis, that, it, it play it inside out. I mean, I think Shaq mentioned that, and he's so dead on. Like the problem with Milwaukee is that they're playing, or they're playing, they're adjusting to Brooklyn's game plan, where they're shooting outside and everything. So they feel as though that they have to shoot outside, and they have to stick to the game plan that got them to the, got them to where they were, um, and that's playing in the inside. Like the whole transition offense that they have is non-existent at this point. Uh, I just want to see the showdown between Brooklyn and Philly. Yeah. <laughs> that, you know they're going to the paper that beat. You know it. That, to be honest, that will get physical. I, I really believe that will get physical. And to be told, I, I could see some texts between, like, I, I, yeah, it, it could definitely get physical. I can see it without, without question. Without question. I see that getting really physical and personal. But the one thing I see with Embiid, you can get underneath his skin. You can really get underneath Embiid's skin. And uh, plus, I can't think of his name from Atlanta right now. Um, No, 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 it wasn't him. It was um, Danilo. Yeah. (laughs) He was, you get put like this. Um, Embiid likes to be the bully. But you start roughing him up and, and making things a little difficult for him, and he gets he gets upset real quick. He doesn't like to be he doesn't like to be bullied. Put it like that. He likes to do the bullying. He doesn't like to be bullied. And when you start doing that to him, and you start trash talking him, and you start you know messing around with him, he tends to lose his cool and he'll get some texts. And I think that if you're looking at a potential series like that, because now they don't have Lamarcus Aldridge, so you don't have another big body to put up with them. Now you're going to have some smaller bodies that's going to have to be real pesky and real annoying, swiping at them, pushing them, arm in the shoulders about as much you can get away with. And you might get, you might get a tech. Uh, Brooklyn still got that, that kid that was in the G league, right? Who? That big that came up from the G league. That was, uh, that was really proving his worth there towards the middle of the season. Nope. They sent him back. They got, I mean, once LaMarcus Archers came into the bay, that was it. They need to bring his ass back up for the next series. <laughs> I think he's signed someplace else now. Or they, they, it's a certain time frame where they can't bring him in. Like, whatever your playoff roster is, your playoff roster, no matter what. <sighs> that was, that was not, that was not a smart move. They should have you're talking about the dude, I know who you're talking about, the dude that actually played with Philly. Um, yeah. That was a shot blocker. I mm-hmm. forgot. He, he actually, he was actually playing, he was the backup to Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. Um, before he went, I mean, he was in a G League and stuff like that. I know exactly who you're talking about. Um, yeah, they for whatever reason they didn't sign him back. Matter of fact, I think he signed with the Knicks for for a spell. Mm-hmm. I think he signed with the Knicks for the rest of that for the rest of the season or something like that. I can't remember. Um, that, but that, that could have ate up six fouls right there. You know, uh, well, they they still got DeAndre Jordan, so it's not like the end all be all. Oh, true. I forget about him. Is he even playing? No, nah, not. Mm. They still got DeAndre Jordan? I thought they did. No, no, DeAndre Jordan is there. He's oh. 
He, he, I mean, he hasn't played because they've gone the small ball lineup now. Well, that's why. <laughs> um, Blake Griffin, Nick, Nick, uh, yeah, Blake Griffin, Nick Claxton, um, they've been doing well because they're so versatile. Um, if you put DeAndre Jordan in them out there, he can't shoot three, so he'll just be staying in a low post, and that's he's he's a defensive liability because he can't guard the three point line. So, um, but. Um, they have Blake Griffin, Nick Coxton, Jeff Green is injured, but he should be coming back. So they have a good enough rotation to, to do damage. To be honest, I was kind of surprised that they, they didn't even bring out DeAndre Jordan for this Milwaukee series. I thought they was going to need him, but obviously they don't. Because I thought somebody had to guard Brooke Lopez, but I, they don't even need him right this point. Brooke ain't really been doing much of nothing either. I, I, to be honest, I was expecting more from him too. But I think it's the game plan. I think Mike Budenholzer needs to to rework that game plan with Milwaukee. Well, but on the West side, I do agree with you, Al. It's a toss up, but you know I'm not really concerned about the LA and Utah because I think Utah is going to win in the end. I think LA is a LA is still a mess. Um, and um, but that Denver and Phoenix one, that's a good series right there, man. That is, whew, that is a really good series. I don't know who's gonna who's gonna win out of that. The winner of that actually might win the win the West. And to be honest, if I was to make a prediction out of all those teams, I would pick Phoenix. I think Phoenix has the best chance of making it to the West. I mean, to the finals. And you know, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and to me, the, the, the X factor out of all is not Chris Paul. It's not Devin Booker. It's DeAndre Ayton. Yes. Yes. And he is starting to come into his own. <laughs> yes. yes. And truth be told, like, Phoenix beat my – I mean, uh, yeah, Phoenix um, already beat Utah in the regular season, like three games to one, I believe. I don't know if it was a complete sweep, but they, Phoenix has Utah's number. So – and their confidence is growing. For, I mean, really growing. The only X factor I could see making a dent out of Phoenix is Kawhi. If Kawhi keeps having those 40-point games, it's going to be difficult. Like, I really thought that Dallas was going to give him a run to um, give him a chance to to knock him out. But So, I still think Denver going to come out uh, come out the West, to be honest. And I say it's, it's contingent on Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, but the thing is, I, you're absolutely right. Because he's became that second star. If Gary Harris was still there, I mean, no, Gary Harris. Jamal Murray was still there, then by chance, I, by far, I would pick Denver to make it out of it. Mm-hmm. If, if 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 Jamal Murray was was healthy and was playing, by far, I would pick Denver to run out of it, to run into the finals. But um, because Michael Porter Jr. is giving them just enough for him to be that third person. He's not the second yet, but he is definitely the third person. He'll start off hot, but he'll cool off at the end. And they need that person that can be clutch. And Michael Porter Jr. is not there yet, I should say. He'll he'll get cooking in the first quarter. He'll pour like 15 points a game. I mean, 15 in the first quarter. Mm -hmm. And then he'll cool off for the rest of the game. So when Jamal Murray comes back and he provides that clutch, that's what's going to put Denver over the edge. I I think what what – Michael Porter, you know, he he gets too full of himself when he's knocking down threes in the beginning of the game. And then after he's <laughs> there and think he can continue to knock threes down for the rest of the game, 
And when he start missing, he just still keeps shooting. I'm like, dude, well, why don't you step inside the three-point range or something? You know, knock down a 15-foot J. I mean, you're that wide open. Why don't you take the shot? <laughs> Youngin. <laughs> when you become – he'll learn from those mistakes. He'll learn from those mistakes. But Well, yeah. see, that's, that's the NBA for it. The NBA is like if you're not beasting in the post or making layups, you're taking a three. Nobody wants to hit that 15-foot J no more. Nobody takes them shots from the elbow. I mean, it, it just makes no sense to me. Like, two points is two points regardless of where the hell you get it. But I don't understand why they won't take a higher percentage shot. Mm. They want to continue to take shots outside three. I'm like, I'm, I got the game on right now. They, they done took about 15 threes already in the beginning of this game. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the score is 5-5. Five, five. <laughs> and, and that's why, you know, players like uh, Kevin Durant is so, so deadly because he can hit those mid-range jumpers. Right. CP3 too. That's why Phoenix is doing what they're doing. Yes, and I hope that shoulder. I hope that shoulder doesn't go. You know, get hurt again because he's always injury prone when he gets into these situations. I know, and it's <laughs> so unfortunate because I really want him to make it past the second round. Oh, I'd like to see him. I'd like to see him get a get a ring. Yeah, you know, it'd, it'd be nice to see that. But you know, but before I, I, I do have to say this. Um, because I saw the room, the, the report um, that Chris, Christoph Zingas was is not happy with his current role um, in Dallas, and I mean he's not happy because of the way that Luca is getting all the attention, and he you don't think that's what it is? No. Oh, no. okay. I mean Luca's Luca, but I think it's the way they're playing him. You know, well, I thought okay, I, but hit, but he's not getting the ball. That's the problem. The point that he's having, he doesn't get the ball. He's not us. He doesn't feel as though he's a secondary option at this stage. Um, I, I like what kills me about this is, is that I know that before I was saying like why I was saying I was I was. When the Knicks made the trade for Christoph Pozingas and sent him to Dallas, I was like, this is a typical Knicks thing. <laughs> but now listening to this, I have to say that for the first time ever, I'm I'm in complete understanding of why the Knicks did what they did. Because he is not happy wherever he's going to be. Like, he wasn't happy with the Knicks. Knicks ended up trading him. Now he's not happy with Dallas when he's supposed to be there, you know, with Luca, he's supposed to be friends and everything like that. He's not happy with the role that he's playing. I, 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 I don't understand. And what makes it worse is because it's not like he was scoring 20 points a game like he was in New York. He's averaging like at least 15, 12, like between 13 and 15 points a game. And he was a, no, a non-factor in the series. So, like Bogdan Bogdanovich was a had a better series than him. Timothy Tim Hardaway Jr. had a better series, and he was supposed to be the secondary option in the trade. He had a better series than Christoph than Christoph Porzingis. So I, I I get the fact that you're disgruntled, but dude, like you have to prove yourself, and that that not this goes for KP as well. This goes. To Kimball Walker as well too, because I'm hearing now that he wants to leave Boston. 
because him and management were never seen eye to eye. I I I don't understand these things sometimes with with players. Like it'd be one thing if you had the opportunity. I mean, you had the opportunity to prove your worth, and you didn't do anything. Those two players, to me alone, I've seen all season, hasn't done anything other side of the injuries. But I'm saying, like, when they was actually healthy, they didn't do anything to contribute to make it better. Like, I just don't understand how you can be upset about your role on a team when you haven't proved yourself. That's what I don't understand. I mean, yeah, I can I can get why he's upset. Um the way the offense is flowing, I agree with you. But it's just it's the way he's being utilized. But you know, to to Al's point, you're always injured. They can't, you know, it's hard to rely on you. And so when you're injury prone, and he's injury prone a lot, you know, you have to run an offense that might not feature you, or you might not even be the second option. Now, I they're probably not going to get rid of. Uh, well, I think Mark Cuban already went on the record saying they're not going to do a coaching change, but. They need to get Luca some some help. Maybe not a it doesn't have to necessarily be a one A, but it has to be some additional help outside of KP. Um, I do like Tim Hardaway Jr., but he's not that that second option that they need. Someone that can take a little bit of heat because Luca's usage rate is extremely high. Yes, very high, and that's that's a disaster in the making. If they keep running them like they is either going to run them in the ground or he's going to get a bad injury because of his uses, his uses rate is, you know, is that high. So if I'm Christopher Zingas, yeah, you probably came there thinking that was going to be much more of a kind of an even flow between you and Luca. But when you stay hurt, the offense is going to have to change and they're going to run through Luca because he's much more of a consistent player and he's much more the person that can break down and take shots. Now, you can shoot, but I can't rely on you, you know, throughout a, you know, 82 or whatever this was, 70-something game season. So it's <sighs> – No, but I, I get what you're saying. But my problem with him is, is that he still stays in the three-point line. You're seven-foot, dude. Like, there is no reason why you can't change up your game. If you want to be in a three-point line, that's one thing. But go in the post. Set something up. When they ran plays with um, Luka at the point, Bogdan Bogdanovich came to the foul line. He pa- Luka passed the ball to Bogdan, and he's looking for their shooters. Why can't KP do the same thing? KP is much more quicker, much more agile than Bogdan, but yet they're flowing it through Bogdan because you want to stay in the three-point line. Like, you have the ability to do so much. You've done it in New York. But yet you still stay in the three-point line waiting for your shot to shoot three-pointers. You're a seven-foot dude. You should be in the post or setting up something at the free-throw line for others to get involved. Matter of fact, run plays like Jokic do. Be a playmaker. Be If you're going to be up in the three-point line, have the ball, set screens, do something. You're waiting in the corner. You're not doing anything. The offense is not coming to you. You can't complain if you're standing in the corner. Make it happen. Set picks. Do something. Run something. Like, that's what I, I – that last game that I saw with the Clippers, all I saw was him standing at the three-point line. Like, what else are you doing? The ball ain't even coming to you. You don't even set picks. And so you can't get mad if you're not doing anything and you're standing in the corner. Like, you got to run around. You got to do something. Make it happen. You have the ability. You 
The people just standing there, they have the ability to be involved in the offense if they want to. If you say, you know what, I'm going to set a screen for you. I'm going to do this. You could do that. Eventually, they're going to have to either go to Luca and double screen, I mean, double team him where you could be left open. Then you could do whatever you want offensively. Then you will get the ball. But if you stand in the corner, you're away from the offense. So it doesn't help you. You need to be more proactive in what you do to try to get the ball. If you know good and well that the person is sticking you is not seven foot, you should be somewhere in the low post trying to score. I, it's, it's ridiculous. Both down by just came to the foul line and he'll go back down and wait to try and grab a rebound. You telling me that you can't do the same? Like that's I have a I have a problem with people, especially that's like Shaq staying in the three point line. When you know you could get your offense from the post. Bogdan was even getting his offense from the post. He was taking it to the hole. You're telling me that you can't do the same thing that he does? Now, in fact, you're supposed to be better. Uh, I digress. It, it's, it's mind-boggling that people want to complain about stuff and complain that they don't want to, they're not involved in the offense, but yet you just stand there. You don't do nothing. Like, and truth be told, I tell my son this every time now because when he plays basketball and he'll complain that he's not in the offense, I say, go set a pick. Go do something. Go grab the ball. Go do something. Be in the post. Do something. Your opportunity will come. And you can't tell me that you're going to continue to complain and all you do is just continue to stand at the corner waiting for a shot. I blame Steph Curry, but, you know, hey. <laughs> nah, no, to be honest, I to be honest, now that I'm thinking about it, I can't really blame Kristoff if the coach is telling him that. That really involves on the coach. So now that I'm thinking about it, if the coach – there needs to be some type of compromise. That's the bottom line. And truth be told, Kristoff and Prozingis is in, no, is in the best position that he can be in because there is no other person – outside of maybe Tim Hardaway Jr. and maybe Brunson that was providing offense. Christoph Przingis can provide an offense that is necessary if he wants to. He has to have that conversation with the coach. He has to have that conversation and let him know that, look, what else can I do outside of being in the corner to make this offense more productive? Can I go in the post? Can I set up run plays like y'all got doing with other, like, can we do other things? Like, he has to have that mindset. He can't be always down and complaining about something and 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 just be wanting to, be, to go. Like you're not helping out your teammates. You're not, it's not beneficial for anybody. He has to be in a position to say, you know what? What can I do to make myself useful? Yeah. And right now, I guess he's not feeling useful. Nah, nah, and I like you said, it's either one of two things. Either the coach is not telling him to get his butt on the block, or either he's telling a coach, I don't want to get on the block because he don't want to take them hits. So it's one of the two. Um, and since the coach got um, the thumbs up and approval from Mark Cuban, he's going to be there for a while. So KP, they still got what, 105 tied up in your behind. So they better figure something out. True. Nah, yeah, to be honest, like if he doesn't. KP should be in a position now where he can start to Mark Cuban and see what's up. Have a with Mark how, Cuban how, and the coach. How, how stupid is uh, Portland to trade uh, Dame to Dallas for uh, Przingis uh, and some other players? 
<laughs> you trying to tell me a Dame Luca Luca combo wouldn't be lethal as hell? I, I no, I can't see no, no. no. It's too it's 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 two ball dominant players. I don't see how that's going to work. Okay, so how does Kyrie and KD work? No, they're two ball-dominant players who love to play with each other and are best friends who don't mind sharing the ball to each other. There's a difference. And truth be told, Kyrie will give up more because now because you have James Harden, who is also a ball-dominant. They're willing to share with each other. I don't know if Dame and Luca will be in that position where they will share with each other. Let's be honest. Dame has someone similar in CJ McCullough. And I say this because he ain't Luca. Huh? But CJ is a better has a better chemistry with Dame. You can't give you can't put Dame and Luca in the same. They're, they're point guards. CJ is off guard. Luca needs to run the show for him to be effective. So does Dame. Yeah, K. But the reason why it works better with KD and and well, KD and those other guys is a KD doesn't need to have the ball in his hands all the time. Um, Kyrie does, James Harden definitely does, but James Harden has gotten to the point in his career where he humbled himself <laughs> a little bit. Luca ain't there yet, and you know Dame ain't there yet. <laughs> so yeah, I agree, but then was. LeBron, D Wade, and Boz did. I mean, obviously they were friends. Somebody Wait. had to take that reserve role. D Wade worked with yeah, D Wade. Was, was Boz? No, D Wade did that with the quickness. D Wade was like, "Yo, this is not when when Bosch and, and James came through." D Wade was like, "Yo, y'all run it. You know, I'll help. You know, I'll do whatever I need to do. This is not on me. This was on all of us." He took that humble role. He took that step back. He took a major step back. It took a year for him to, to, to do it, but he he finally did it. Yeah. So by that time, Wade, I mean, Wade already won a championship as the man. And that first year they were there, it was the chemistry was off, which is why they got why they got bounced. They made it to the <laughs> to the finals, but they got bounced. But after they kind of worked it out, like you said, Al, you know, Chris Bosch had to find his role. You know, Dwayne D-Way had to take a step back and let LeBron be LeBron. I don't know who's going to be the one willing to take a step back because they ain't becoming a Dallas team. And if I'm Luke, I'm like, I ain't taking a step back or I'm not taking, I'm not giving that much up. Yeah. Why should he? I mean, Mark Cuban bought him, traded for him to be the corner store. So I, I just don't see him giving that up. Like, he could build, I could see Mark Cuban building pieces around Luca, but not giving a star to Luca. Especially a star that that is a bigger star, in I guess per se, or as equal of a star as Luca. For that to happen, they wouldn't have to be in the same position. It has to be somebody's playing different, totally different positions. Shoot yeah. small forward, shooting guard. You'll never see two stars come together that plays the same role. Yeah, I would love to see. I would love to see Dame. You know, get opportunity to play with a with some better talent, or you know, have some more talent around them. I mean. He's in the prime of his career, and right now he's not, you know, like you said, like you said, he's, he can't get out the first round. <laughs> but, see, that's why I say that the coach is very important for Portland. Like, whoever they pick needs to be on point, specialty-wise. Whatever it is, offense, defense, they need to be on point because this is the probably the last hurrah that Dame is going to accept 
and be okay with. Because if it goes down the same path and nothing is moving, then yes, I could definitely see Dame leave without question. Shit, I said they trade his ass down. Why would they trade him? He's their franchise player. He ain't, I mean, it's not like he's not happy there and wants to leave right away. Trust me. Like anything, he they need to move heaven on earth to get people there to him. And that ain't happening. Ain't nobody, ain't nobody going there. Nobody wants it. <laughs> Man, no look, I, I understand they had eight years of some good basketball. Dame is 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 prime time. I know that nobody likes to trade away their, their their cornerstone, their franchise player. But I mean, do you think Houston wanted to trade away uh, Harden? No, but that's but, because Harden wanted to go. <laughs> that's and, what, that's what I'm just, saying. And just because Dame ain't come out publicly and said I didn't want to be here, you could just tell by his last uh, his last talking with the media and his cryptic messages on the social media. No, I get that. I he, I, I, I think he's ready to go. No, I, he may be ready, but until he comes out publicly to say it. Portland ain't going to trade him. Like, that's that's where I – like, James Harden came out and was like, yo, I don't want to be here. Bottom line, take me, send me to Philly or Brooklyn. I do not want to be here. He said it. Like, literally said it. Like, and he played like he didn't want to be there. Like, Dame has to come out and say something to that effect for Portland to say, okay, I get the message. But until then, I just don't see them getting rid of Dame at this stage. Why would they? Like, to be honest, they really need to build pieces around Dane. And they should really start with free agency and make a couple of trades. The people that they have right now is not working for them, bottom line. Like, I'm be honest. If, if you had to choose, I would build between Dane and get some pieces in return for either um, Nurse, Nurk, nah, the their center, um, Nurkic, or at this point. <laughs> Or I would get yeah, everybody else, and I probably would even throw in CJ as well. You know, it's a darn shame that Lamarcus Aldridge had to take his ball and, and run and go to San Antonio because if he would have stayed there, they had the makings of a of a very explosive team with him, CJ, and Lamarcus. That was whoo, but but he understood he was about to become the second or third wheel on that team. He didn't like that. But that's the and, but see that and that's what the problem is when people get traded or. Um, you bring in people in because the Eagles get in the play. Because if I'm playing for my, if I'm getting, if I'm going to a team, if I'm traded or whatever the case may be, I feel as though that that means that they want me to be a part of their team. Fine. If I'm a free agent and I say I'm going to this team, they woo me, they offer me the, the contract, I'm going to do my best to play for this team. So if other people, like you're during the season and then more another trade happens where they come in and bring somebody else to replace your role, you're going to start having second thoughts. Your ego is going to kick in. And that happens a lot of times with people. Portland has to understand that whatever they do, they have to understand that they have to stick with whatever they, they're doing. If they're making improvements or anything, whether it's the front court or the back court, they need to make sure it's assured that their team is to have the success of what they're doing. Philadelphia is a perfect example. When they came in the free agency, they knew exactly what they was going to do. They said Philly, I mean, right now they said in Philly and Bede and Simmons right now are the star pieces. We need to get rid of everybody else and bring in some shooters. We need to make sure that they stick, you know, and, and some defensive mind players. 
And they did that. They brought in Seth. They brought in Danny Green. They had um, Thibble that was a rookie for defensive purposes. Um, they have a, a, a good cohesive squad. And that's what I'm saying with the coach for Portland. They have to do have that same mindset. If they completely rehaul, they can keep Dame, CJ, build around Nurkic if they have to, but fix everything else. I think that it would be beneficial. And it all and it all stems with the GM. Yeah. Well, we can roll about that, you know, all day. But let's talk about another guy that actually actually be traded in the NFL, which was Julio Jones. <laughs> <laughs> and he got his wish. Julio Jones was traded to the Tennessee Titans. And they acquired him for a 2022 second round pick and a 2023 fourth round selection. Um, so now we got Julio Jones. It's the Tennessee Titan teamed up with AJ Brown and that beast in the backfield. Um, so guys, do you think this makes the Tennessee Titans a AFC possible AFC winner or in that mix? I think they'll always be in the mix, but doesn't make them. I mean, granted, yes, from a, a coverage standpoint, you know, who do you guard? Who do you put your best corner? Either AJ or uh, or Julio. But ultimately, it all going to fall on the shoulders of Tannehill. I'm not saying Tannehill is a garbage quarterback because he is not. He is not. He has proven himself to be an above average to pretty good quarterback in the NFL. But with any team that has a lot of stars, you know. Somebody, somebody's going to get humbled. Somebody's going to be like, I ain't getting the ball enough. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying Julio is not the Julio of old, but he's coming off the last couple of seasons dealing with some, uh, with some injuries. And, you know, unlike, unless you're, uh, you're Tom Brady, where you have every rule in the damn NFL rule book that protects his ass, uh, all the time... <laughs> Father time doesn't wait for nobody in the NFL. So when your body starts breaking down, you know, especially at the receiver position, there's only a handful of receivers in the league ever that, man, you know, managed to play well into their 30s, damn near 40. Jerry Rice, uh, maybe Steve Largent. There's like, you could probably let, rattle off maybe five, maybe less than 10 wide receivers ever in the league. I'm not saying Julio couldn't put himself on that, but I'm just saying, you may or may not have that same burst that you did in Atlanta. And teams may learn that they don't have to put their best coverage, uh, cover corner on top of you, knowing as long as they have some uh, other type of coverage is to kind of keep an eye on you to make sure that you don't do nothing crazy. So do I think that they're going to be some major thing, in a major force in the AFC? No, but I still think they'll make the playoffs. I just don't think they're going to. I think if, if his focus was trying to go somewhere to get a championship, Atlanta screwed. That's that's all I can say about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Tennessee's where it's at to go get a championship. Well, I co-sign. I co-sign with what you're saying. I completely co-sign. Um, to be honest, I, I, it's really nothing else to say at this stage. It doesn't, like you said, it does definitely put them over the hump, but um, it does improve Tennessee to a great, you know, to a degree. So. Um, I'm just very interested to see how that's going, how the dynamic is of their offense is going to be. Um, but we will see. We will definitely <laughs> see. Um, I agree. Tannehill 
and Julio definitely have to um, coincide. Um, they have to get a rhythm going um, for it to be a success. So um, as long as Julio's on board and Tannehill's on board, I think it's worth a shot. I, I personally think that – I think Tennessee did what they did because they lost their tight end to New England. And I think they're trying to compensate losing mm. their tight end and picking up Julio Jones. But two outside guys, the tight end was uh, – I, I think I – think, I think that's that's the whole thing, I think. I just think that they're trying to overcompensate by picking up Julio, but that losing their tight end is probably going to be a bigger factor than what they really uh, planned into their situation only because it's the tight end, it's, it's, it's a tight end league now. You know, tight ends typically run the show. And they had a pretty damn athletic tight end. I think it was Johnny Smith. I think that's who it was. Yep. And he was pretty damn athletic and was losing him was tough. So I don't know. Good luck to Tennessee, but they ain't going to. I don't think they're going to go any farther. They're never going to get past Kansas City. I put it like that. <laughs> yeah. Will. I mean, they'll, um, <laughs> yeah. Well, they um, should they win a division again? More, more than likely. Um, will, will Julio Jones have a better record than, than the Atlanta Falcons? You, you better believe it. <laughs> but um, <laughs> who knows? Who knows? It was the defense was the reason why Atlanta was so shitty. It wasn't their uh, offense. I don't know about that. No, their offense, because Ridley, Ridley, they, um, I, well, I mean, running back by committee at this point. Um, but Ridley proved to be a, himself a number one. They had the tight end. Matter of fact, they had two tight ends, Hayden Hurst and I forget the other cat's name. And they, they, they had some other pieces. It was the defense. Literally, it was the defense that lost them a, t- a handful of games last season. No, no, I, I get what you're saying. But, I mean, I think I think that – let's say – all right, so let me ask you this. So do you think that in comparison to who would be the better team last year offensively, the Julio Jones with the Atlanta Falcons then or Julio Jones with the Tennessee Titans now? Minus the defense. Who had a better squad? Who, yeah, who would have the better squad? Putting Julio on last year's team versus Julio on, on Atlanta. Putting Julio on Tennessee's team last year versus. No, no. Put Julio on Atlanta's team last year. Uh-huh. Like he's still in Atlanta uh-huh. and versus him now with Tennessee. The, not, not, I mean, offensively. I'm not talking about defense. I'm talking about strictly offense. Who would, who has the better offense? I should say. Uh, um, I would have to say, I had to say Atlanta only because tight end position right now is such a valuable position in the, in the league. And the fact that Tennessee lost their, their, their caliber tight end, the high, the high, high powered uh, tight end. And Atlanta has seasoned vets at tight end. I would put them with a slight edge offensively. Plus, Matt Ryan is a, an established uh, pro bowlish type of quarterback. So not just saying that Tannehill hasn't won the, hasn't been to a Pro Bowl, but I'm just saying I would put I would pick Matt Ryan over Tannehill any day of the week. 
<laughs> but the only person at that squad I probably might pick over the over one over the other. But I I would say Tennessee. I mean, right now the Titans, right now who they got? Uh, well, last year all they had was what Jimmy Graham, and he really didn't do much. Um, oh, the Titans? No, Atlanta. Jimmy Graham was in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. He was probably the third tight end because they had Hayden Hurst and somebody else. And they didn't do much. Well, yeah. Hayden Hurst did a little bit better. Hayden Hurst did a little bit. I'll give you that. But I would say with the offense of the offense that Tennessee Titans have running through, running through Derrick Henry, all being saying that Derrick Henry is healthy, there's no injuries and nothing like that, and being able to do play action pass, I would take that offense of this year with Julio Jones over what I would take with Atlanta last year. Well, I guess it's a toss-up, but if you want to, if if you if you had to pick a quarterback between Ryan Ryan Tannehill and Matt Ryan, I don't know. I, I would go with Matt Ryan just because he's been to a Super Bowl. <laughs> well, I told you already. I said I'll take Matt Ryan over Tannehill. I, that's about the only place you might see a switch at. But everything else, it's either a toss-up or I'll go with Tennessee. But I tell you what, though, like I said, Tennessee would probably have a better record than Atlanta because Atlanta ain't winning that division over Tampa Bay. Unless Tom Brady gets hurt, agreed. agreed. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, they still got um make solidify that defense and make sure that the defense is okay. They made improvements, but you know we'll see how that goes this season. Yeah, but like I said, I think it's a good look for Julio. I mean, you know, he gets a a, a fresh a fresh place to go, a new environment. Um, if I'm Derek Henry, a lot more receivers to be able to kind of hopefully take a little bit less workload off of your legs. Um, but Ryan Tannehill, I hope you can be able to utilize the, the two tight ends. Julio, I think is going to be good, but is he going to be like a game changer? I don't know. <laughs> it might be a push, but we'll see. But like I said, it's like you said, Ace, Ryan Tannehill is a, is a above. He's an efficient quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> And he's efficient because he had that beast in the backfield, and, you know, which puts eight men in the box. And then now, you know, it makes it easier to throw the wide receivers, especially the tight end, because John New Smith was so, so fast and so, so big and agile. Nobody could cover him. No linebacker could cover him. Now you took that force away. You added whatever. Now, you know, it's going to be less guys in a box, but I don't know. I just don't see it. Yeah, and um, but and, and I don't think they're at, they're not at the top tier. I still think you have Buffalo, you have Kansas City, Baltimore. Baltimore always makes me nervous, and so does Cleveland. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know Baltimore. I, I I think don't 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 get a don't get nervous with Lamar. I think Lamar is going to start proving some people wrong now that he can he can get some damn weapons. He lacked weapons. And I blame the GM. They didn't have no real wide receivers over there. Well, let's I mean, hopefully well, – well, let's hope he proves some people wrong because if he comes out replicating what he did the last two years, it's going to be another exit in the second round like it has been, you know, last year or a first-round exit like it was the year before last. Yeah, well, last year, you know, I mean, everybody kind of suffered just due to the lack of preparation OTAs and stuff like that. So I'm curious to see what – I'm curious to see if Sammy Watkins can stay healthy. 
because, you know, he's with Baltimore now. If Sammy Watkins can stay healthy for 16 games, that gives Lamar another big body. You got my, um, you got Hollywood Brown. They got their uh, they got their tight end, which pretty much damn near in the top five of every statistical category the past three past three seasons. The running back by committee is uh, by running back by committee is nice, and obviously you got Lamar. <laughs> Offensively, they're going to be a tough team to stop. And if he can develop a consistent passing game, and Sammy Watkins could be that guy, and they picked up Rashad Bateman from Minnesota in the draft. I think I think uh, Baltimore is going to uh, is going to scare some people if Lamar turns out to be a passer. That's basically what you're relying on right now is whether or not he could be a passer, and now he has the opportunity to prove it. So we'll see how he, we'll see what happens. He was a passer in college, though. No, but yeah, <laughs> in college. But the problem is, is that this is the NFL, so he has to prove it here as well. And once he does that, then he should be fine. But he has to start doing that first. True. And if he wants that Brink truck, you know, backed up to him, they get paid. Mm. Like I know Baltimore would like to do it. This is going to be the year where they're going to have to be like, all right, now <laughs> show prove prove to us that we back up that truck for you, and they will. <laughs> right. They will, but this is going to have to be the year where you're going to have to prove it for them. But uh, I have a question, Mister San Francisco 49ers, down to you still on call. Uh, what's the over under? Do you think that um, that uh, Jimmy G stays the starter all season, or do they go to the bench and bring in the shiny new quarterback that they picked up? Um, I think if the Niners are on track to make the playoffs, I think Jimmy G plays the entire season. Um, whoa, that's a <laughs> whoa, that's a that's a hard. Hard <laughs> reversal from the draft. <laughs> uh, I mean, let's be realistic. I mean, obviously, they didn't, obviously, they didn't trade him, and he has proven. Though I'm not saying I'm a huge fan of Jimmy G, but he has proven when healthy, he can lead the team to the Super Bowl. I think it's going to be something similar to what happened in Kansas City with Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes. Alex Smith was running that squad the entire year; they were winning. Alex Smith led them to the NFC uh, the AFC Championship, and they lost. Uh, Patrick Mahomes played, I guess, week 16 at the time. He played his one game. The last game of the season, yeah. Right. What did, what did Kansas City do? They parlayed that shit to Washington, got like a second or third round pick for, uh, for, for Alex Smith, and boom. And I, I kind of foresee that's gonna how that might happen. I'm not saying that Jimmy G is a trash quarterback. Hell, I take Jimmy G over Ryan, Ryan Tannehill, uh, to be honest. Really? Really? <laughs> You're really surprising me right now, man. <laughs> I'm not, again, I'm not saying Ryan, Ryan Tannehill isn't a good QB. I'm just saying no. Ryan Tannehill, it's unfortunate that you're in the division that you're, that you're in. It's unfortunate you got better teams that are out there. But, you know, um, but yeah, I think, I think that's what they're going to do. And I, I truly believe that uh, honestly, what might happen, and this is uh, if this Deshaun Watson thing kind of plays off, and he somehow gets suspended or he somehow doesn't get doesn't get to play this season, I think Houston might come calling to San Fran to get Jimmy G to go down to Houston. I think because their squad isn't that bad. 
where they should be able to throw away the season. They're just a quarterback away from – they got pieces down there. They got they got their defenses – well, their defense took a hit now that uh, old boy gone, but um, they still got some things down there. I think they're not a they, – they're not a bad team and you know they got their quarterback in the draft but i think they could sit him if they had a decent quarterback that they could run uh ahead of but that's just deshaun watson you know it's obviously he's still getting paid um the league hasn't put him on the you know the non-pay exempt list or whatever it is that when they're being investigated so i that's my thought but if the niners win there's no reason to start trey lance right now but if the Niners say a 500 by week eight, go ahead and start the man. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? What you got to lose? Because there's no guarantee you're going to make the playoffs, especially coming out of the NFC West at 4-4. Four four. No way. Teams are too damn good. Matthew Stafford now with L.A. Russ is Russ. <laughs> and Kyler Murray is only getting better as, as seasons have gone by. You 4-4 four four by week eight? Cut your losses to go for broke. See what happens. Oh, well, like I said, that was a hard reversal, Al. <laughs> Without question. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> well, I always say I concur. Um, only other person I'm curious about is um, this is the Chicago Bears um, and whether or not they're going to stick with Andy Dalton or go with their uh, – and, and oh, go with their QB. I think Andy Dalton is on a very, very short leash. And I think oh, you yeah. got it. I think you got, I think you have him in there uh, just to buy you some time. Um, and then, you know, if he's ready, you know, you know, throw Justin Fields in there. I think Justin Fields starts sooner than Trey Lance does, unless Jimmy G just gets hurt. I agree with that. I think Justin Fields starts day one. Uh, that I don't. It, know. it it wouldn't it, it wouldn't surprise me. Right. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, they did pay Andy Dalton a lot of money, so at least it, it gives them some. It gives them cover, and it gives the coaches over there cover because um, you can easily go with Andy Dalton if you start screwing up where it looks bad after the first three games. When you get to like you know the fourth game, if it looks bad, you can be like, all right, you know, bullpen, all right, kid, you're in, and then you keep going. If you put him in and he looks bad, <laughs> then you basically either a you ride out with him or b you bring in Andy Dalton, and then you do the the nuttiness that Miami Dolphins were doing where you're going to have uh, um, you're going to have uh, I can't think of his name on top of my head uh, Fitzpatrick and Tua it's like Tua starts he looks bad Fitzpatrick comes in Fitzpatrick starts a game two games and you bring back Tua I don't think Chicago wants to go that back and forth either Andy Dalton looks bad and you start you know Justin Fields or if Justin Fields blows you away during offseason and in preseason he's ready to go, then you start the kid and you don't look back. Well, um, I think the reason why I think the reason why they did that with Tua and, and, and Fitzpatrick is just because Miami still had the opportunity to kind of make the playoffs at that particular time. But if the Bears are 
you know, they're shitty from the, from the get go. You might as well just let the, the rookie get his, uh, you know, just be shitty for the season and, <laughs> and, and keep it moving. I, I, again, I think it's with 49ers, with, with Chicago, with, uh, with Miami, whatever teams with rookie quarterbacks or young quarterbacks, it's all contingent if they're winning or losing. And, and to be honest, that's one of the reasons why I say I was going to say by week three or four, because by that time you would know whether or not what you're working with currently is either going to continue to work or if you need to make a change. And I think that that's what's going to be beneficial. I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to, I think they're going to hold off on until week four before they actually say something, um, maybe even a little bit longer than that. I think that that'll be more beneficial for the team um, so that they can get a full scope or a good sample size of who they have at the quarterback and if their quarterback is helping them to win games or it's hurting them to lose games. So I think that's really where it's going to be the telling time. I think that they're going to be watching them like a hawk come for these first couple of weeks without question. Agree. Agree. Short leash. Um, but before we go, we got to go to baseball which is a sport that nearest and dearest to Ace Harbor. We're not going to talk about the Yankees getting swept by the Red Sox over the weekend, which was shocking. <laughs> Did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> the Yankees playing like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I, I, I don't understand. Like, sometimes their pitching is, like, dynamic, then sometimes their pitching is like shit. Sometimes they're hitting the ball all over the place, and sometimes they ain't hitting nothing. <laughs> I, I think this is going to be one of them seasons where they just ain't going to do all that great. Mm-hmm. But we are going to talk about the pitch, uh, one of the pitchers from the Yankees, Garrett Cole. Now, when asked if he ever used in some enhancements or whatever you call it, spider tech or whatever sticky stuff that they might use to increase the spin rate, heard a lot about spin rate the last two days and whether or not his spin rate is going to increase or decrease or it had an increase. And now he's been accused of using some, we'll say sticky stuff. Decrease one game. When asked at a press conference, he didn't know how to respond to that question. A simple yes or no question <laughs> stumbled him. <laughs> so, as our as a resident Yankees fan, Ace, a how how did this make? How do you think this made him look? B, I think he took the stuff. So, I mean, it, you know, it is what his pitch has been doing this over the last hundred years of the game per se. Um, but B. Do you think is anything bad with it? <laughs> <sighs> baseball, baseball, baseball. In uh, the pious attitude that baseball all of a sudden has. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All I can say is you take it back to the steroid era. Every sport has some sort of rule incorporated in their bylaws or whatever stating that you can't take any performing and performing enhancing type of drugs, blah, 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 blah. Baseball did not have any of that stuff. Our good old friend, Jose Canseco, got pissed off about some shit and started dropping names. Whatever. So now they're talking about asterisks and all this type of shit because, you know, the players are juiced and blah, 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 blah. My whole thing is this, and I, I say this, I state that to say this. If there's nothing in the rule book saying you can't do this shit, do it. <laughs> At the time, there was no nothing in the rules saying you couldn't take performance enhancing drugs. Back in the 50s, the 40s, whatever, 
them jokers are taking amph- amph- uh, amphetamines uh, to help, like speed and stuff like that, to help them play baseball in the in the early 1900s, and in, in, in the middle middle 1900s. So, if you don't have anything in the rule book saying you can't do X, Y, Z, then the hell with it. So why is it now that people are getting pissed off? You know why? Because baseball is too pitcher dominated. You know, nobody's hitting the ball. But God damn it, isn't that the whole point of the sport is the pitcher to make it so that you can't hit the ball? <laughs> baseball is a different breed. <laughs> baseball isn't supposed to be out there to be where they're jacking up 10 to 12 runs a game and the scores are 12-11. Baseball is meant to be 2-1, 1-0, 3-2. That's the whole point. It's a defensive sport. <laughs> so shut the hell up. Stop crying about spin rates. <laughs> <laughs> keep it moving <laughs> so now they're going to start now they're complaining about the games are taking too long due to whatever but now from what I'm understanding they're going to stop games periodically to check to see if the pitchers are putting shit on the ball so that's just going to add more time to the game I just don't get it I just don't get it up you know either make it illegal or shut the fuck up mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell him why you mad, son. Tell him you mad. That's one or the other. You can't have both. You can't. You can't not. You can't not say it's not illegal, but then you want to enforce something that's not yet illegal. <laughs> oh, it's crazy. Well, I, I, I <laughs> you're right. I mean, um. <laughs> The steroid era, there was no rules back then that said you shouldn't do it. Um, uh, but they knew baseball back in the time, kind of had an idea people were using it. They turned the blind eye because after they came back from the whole strike, you know, you had Sammy Sosa, you had Mark McGuire knocking all those home runs and bringing the casual fans back to baseball, bringing money back to baseball. Everybody was making money. They turned the blind eye and rolled it out. But if you're, like you said, they've been doing that stuff for a very, very long time. Throughout the 100-year of baseball, pitchers, you know, from every decade have always been doing stuff to try to get an edge, whether it was spit, whether it was pine tar, whatever stuff they decided, grease, tobacco, they used to chew and spit and do whatever. They would do it in the major leagues. They were doing it in the minor leagues. Hell, they were doing probably when you were playing um, Babe Ruth baseball in in the little leagues. So, (laughs) high school. So, now you're trying to sell baseball to the, you know, to the non-casual fans. You want to bring money in. You want to bring TV contracts in. But like you said, baseball is basically a 2-1, 1-0, low-scoring games. But when you bring in casual fans, that's boring to them. But to regular baseball fans who watch the sport, that's baseball. That's what you want to see. They want to see pitchers' duels. Casual fans want to see the home runs, which doesn't look right in my opinion. But now baseball is trying to, like I said, have this pious attitude because they want to increase the runs. They can bring more casual fans back into the game, speed up the game, and try to bring more casual fans back into the game. Baseball is not basketball. Baseball is not football. Baseball is not hockey. Baseball is baseball. <laughs> and when you try to do too much to bring casual fans, at the end of the day, you're going to make it you're going to make it worse than what it is 
and those casual fans are still probably still stick with basketball, stick with football, and the, you know, Market Street and all the people that are trying to sell all the sports are fucking all the sports up anyway. They're fucking up NFL. They're fucking up the NBA. They're fucking it all up to be able to sell it to the public when that's a entirely different conversation. But I agree with you, Ace. It's, <laughs> this pious attitude they're all running around, you've been doing this since day one. <laughs> Exactly. Why now you want to sit there? <laughs> exactly. Like, man, look. Uh, it's so it's just so mind-boggling to me. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> like, come on, man. It, it just is. It just uh, it's one of those many unwritten rules. It, it's like, okay, boom, exactly. It's an unwritten rule. Technically, we know you're not supposed to do it because it's unwritten. But because it's not in the rule book, why the hell shouldn't I do it? <laughs> so back in the mid nineties, when I was sticking, you know, injecting my ass with steroids and I was knocking the hell out the ball, nobody had a problem. Until Jose Canseco wasn't getting paid no more by the league. <laughs> so he had to write a book to make some money because he was probably broke. <laughs> no, the undone written rule was just don't get caught. <laughs> In what, a way that, that in a way that we can't we can't explain it. <laughs> but, but at that time there was no way to get caught because they weren't tested. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well now of course there's you know they figured out ways how to try to not get caught, but baseball is quick to to pick up on those things. But back then there was how are you getting caught? Because this whole Jose Canseco oh, jealous hating ass. <laughs> we came to laugh and stock of the league at some point and then say, you know what, screw y'all, I'm about to write this book. <laughs> and 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 just messed up the whole messed up the whole um program. Right, everybody was eating. Everybody was happy. <laughs> just because you stop eating, that's <laughs> <laughs> always the case. You had that one person. All it takes is one. <laughs> always a hater, man. Always a hater. Exactly. Well, gentlemen, we are definitely on our time. Oh, um, I want to check back and see, do I need to give um, props to the Florida State um, oh, Florida really? State girl women's uh, for winning the, or did Oklahoma State win? Oklahoma. <sighs> oh, I, don't, I don't know if it's Oklahoma State, it was Florida State versus Oklahoma. Yeah. Nope, they won. So, Game three of the um the college softball world series. I want to give props to old girl from JMU, putting JMU on the map. I forget the pitcher's name, but she was lightly recruited out of high school, and JMU was the only squad, D one squad, to give her a scally. Yeah. And four years later, look what she did them. Damn near one game away from going playing for the uh, softball world series. Props to her. I wish I knew her name. Uh, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. But you know who you are. <laughs> Damn, you, you, you killed it. You And you didn't have no reason to cry when they interviewed you because you rocked it and you just let other folks know, other other girls out there who might be under-recruited, that you could take that small school and you can leave them to the promised land. So I hope all those young ladies out there that saw that go ahead and you don't have to go to Florida State to the world or the Oklahoma's of the world to get your, yourself name, your name out there and to be recognized as a dominant player in that sport and also lead them to the softball world series. So go for it. Oh, DC Alexander. 
That's her name? Yeah. Say it one more time. ODC, I believe that's how you pronounce it, Alexander. ODC, you go, girl. Ah. <laughs> and with that said, fellas, tell them where they can find you at. Back on the block, because I'm vaccinated. <laughs> nah. Uh, <laughs> nah. Uh, um, you can find me on Twitter at uh, CatDaddy1963. That's CatDaddy1963 on Twitter. You can find me talking to Montez Sweat to make sure he knows, understands about vaccination that Washington football team. Um, but you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am Al Qualls. Twitter and Instagram. I am Al Qualls. I know you talk. You, I know you heard the story about Montez Sweat. So I know. I know. Uh, I, I, I missed it, but. Okay. I'll re- make it real quick. Montez Sweat. Um, Washington football team had the people um, brought in somebody to talk about vaccinations. And Montez Sweat basically said that um, he doesn't believe in the vaccinations and he's not going to take it. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> all righty then. <laughs> you know, well, it's all good. Uh, you can find me on Snapchat, Twitter, and the gram, J.E. Ross, the number seven, J.E. Ross, the number seven, and being mad at um, Saquon Barkley for making a comment about doing well. <laughs> I forgot about that. I was going to ask him to ask you about that. <laughs> Either you're ready to go for the beginning of the season or you're not. Don't give me this middle of the road crap. Just don't say nothing. Just say, I'll be ready to go at the beginning of the season or I'm not there yet. No middle of the road. Because you know what that does? That doesn't look good. It doesn't sound good. And I don't feel good about it. <laughs> I meant to ask you about that because I wanted to hear your take on it. <laughs> I heard that. I heard that unfortunate news earlier today and I was just like which means he ain't he ain't ready anyway <laughs> fellas as always God bless have a good night and we will see you next time uh. <laughs>